Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 19 of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everyone is well. Now, there is no Adventure Game News this week because by the time this episode is uploaded, I will have just arrived from my trip to Boston to the Nariscope Conference. So I will probably be suffering from a lot of jet lag and I'll probably be in bed, unable to move. So I'm recording this before my trip to Boston. and But next week, things should be back to normal. And now in this week's episode, I spoke with Chris Miller of Silver Spook Studios and the developer of Neofeud and the upcoming Neofeud 2. Now, I really, really loved this chat with Chris. He's a great, great guy. Very funny. Very, very interesting. He had a lot of great advice for other adventure game developers. And if you want to go full time. And he spoke about the extraordinary lengths that he went to and is going through to become a full-time adventure game developer so i think people will enjoy it so yeah so first as always here is a clip from a trailer of the feud and in the interview itself so please enjoy the illuminati the illuminati created us they wanted to build a god with their own hands, and instead, they created us. Just because I'm made of silicone and aluminium, I must be doing something wrong. That's machine stereotyping, that is. That's reality, that is. Machines are second-class citizens. Humans are sentient persons by default, ma'am. They have personhood by heredity. There are thousands upon thousands of overqualified slum dwellers. You are my peon. Don't you get it? This wasn't a job. It was always just an excommunication sentence. We're pawns in a feud bigger than we can imagine. Turn the cogs of the machine before Leviathan grinds you up and swallows you and yours. We don't get to choose our hand, comrade. Prince, peon, rich, poor, human, robot. Today I am joined by Chris Miller of Silver Spook Games. Uh, we'll be talking about his game, particularly Neo Feud and Neo Feud 2. So, hello, Chris. How are you? Hi, Sorsha. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing very well. Uh, well, thank you for joining me. I'm delighted to to speak with you. I've been meaning to speak with you for a long time, so I'm very happy that we finally now got to speak. Um, so... We're here going to talk about your games uh, mainly, but I was wondering if you could give a brief introduction about yourself and say what are your favorite adventure games. Okay, yeah, so I'm uh, uh, Chris or Christian Miller, a.k.a. Silver Spook Games. Uh, I'm from Hawaii. I'm originally from the larger uh, city island of Hawaii, uh, Oahu, which has Honolulu and Waikiki and every movie that you've ever seen is probably, you know, filmed Lost, Jurassic Park, all the long list of 
uh, backdrops we have there. And uh, anyways, uh, I am yeah from Hawaii, born and raised there. I'm part Native Hawaiian. Uh, I, I'm a mix, but I'm uh, identify as Hawaiian, Native Hawaiian. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I guess I've I grew up on the island. I'm from kind of like the the city. I'm from I'm not from not the rich part. I'm, I'm from the slightly less slightly less nice side of the coconut trees in, in, in Oahu. So my life is, it wasn't all beach all day long, although I did go to the beach. And um, yeah, I, I've been uh, playing games for a long time though. Started playing, you know, from the Nintendo in the 80s. So you can kind of guess about how old I am. Um, and uh, I got into adventure games, like uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I didn't play a ton of adventure games when I was very young, but I, I did you know, later on, come back to them. I played more, uh, to be perfectly honest, like first-person shooters and RPGs and things like that. And then I kind of got more into adventure games, like, l- later on in the, I would say, like, the noughties. Techno Babylon and Primordia, which are two of my favorite uh, point-and-click adventure games. I discovered those sometime around uh, somewhere somewhere in the uh, noughties and the early teens. And I really loved those and that was what got me into playing Adventure Games, Adventure Games Studio, uh, which is the engine that I use to make Neo Feud, uh, which is, that's my adventure game. And, um, and then I went back and played some more, you know, like obviously, you know, like Space Quest, Monkey Island. Uh, Beneath the Steel Sky is one, was a really big inspiration be- behind uh, my games, particularly Neo Feud, oh, obviously, as, well, as one of the kind of the original cyberpunk style uh, kind of dystopian adventure games. That's that that was a big uh, inspiration, and also obviously Blade Runner adventure game in the 1997 Blade Runner. As I said, I started out in other genres. I've actually worked for larger game companies. Uh, I, wa- I worked in um, actually fun fact. I did. I worked on. If you ever played Microsoft Solitaire in every Microsoft Windows version, um, I actually did work on. Some of the early uh, uh, card games, like way uh, like early on in the early noughties, and worked for some larger uh, companies, and but it was never quite you know, like you know you always in, in those larger companies you, you're, you're never quite doing what you wanted. You 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 can feel more like a cog in a larger machine. You're like you know we need you know we need like the suicide jack to you know the knife's on this side. In version solitaire seventy five point three, we need the knife to be on the other side of his head. It's like that's cool, but like, I mean, I have kind of like more ideas, and I want to explore games and tell stories that you know, I want to tell my story, and and I want to you know uh, design something that like I really care and I'm passionate about. And it's not that you can't do that in a larger game company, but it's more difficult to um, when you have like you know hundred person teams and thousand person teams. It can get kind, you can get kind of lost in the mix. So anyway, so I started new uh, Silver Spoon Games as kind of like. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I have a degree in computer science and I wanted to kind of, you know, use my skills and I, I've been working, I've been making mods and games. Like I started in Half-Life and then I was in Unreal Tournament, uh, Deus Ex. I made a big Deus Ex mod called Terminus Machina. As I said, I was kind of more, not in the adventure game, uh, uh, arena at that time, but I had lots of, you know, uh, art skills. I have a degree in computer science and computer programming. I've done computer programming. Um, I was also in film school and so I, I I took a lot of creative writing and I've always been really into writing. My favorite author is William Gibson, who I interviewed recently, like last year uh, on the Silver Spook podcast myself uh, for all the Cyberpunk fans. Um, and so I kind of have all these different skills that I had acquired over time, 
art, music, writing, programming. And I was like, why don't I just, why don't I just uh, start a game company and just give it a shot and try to make a game and, you know, take a few years and like, you know, you know, uh, I say the number one pro tip for game developers is marry a Canadian. Because <laughs> if you say, I'm going to quit my job and make a game, nobody is going to be, no, everyone, anyone else would instantly divorce you. So, uh, <laughs> except um, Canadians. <laughs> except Canadians, you know, they will stick through you through thick and thin. And um, that's, that's a joke, of course. That's not a guarantee. <laughs> Do not disclaimer that may not work out for you for all the young kids. Uh, anyway, so but anyway, so that, that's basically what it was. So I, I said I'm gonna make a game myself. I'm just gonna do art writing, programming, and music, and I'm gonna make it. You know, I'm a big cyberpunk fan. I'm a big science fiction fan, and and there's a lot more details to that. But basically, uh, took a took a took a few. Years. I was actually I was working, but I was working part time during that uh, part time uh, working, and then working on Neofeud for you know eight to sometimes more than eight, eight hours a day. For about two to two and a half to three years and released it and that's pretty that's pretty much that story i mean that's that's kind of the the, the nutshell of how it came about yeah right, well i think you've answered several of my questions there so thank you for sorry that. about that i kind of wrapped no, up no 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 the, the 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 more the better you know that's uh that's that's exactly what we want to hear no there's um but but yeah no very interesting marry a canadian that's <laughs> that should be philosophy for <laughs> as far as but <laughs> or you know i could also say like a hawaiian because uh, i've heard that you guys are uh i mean you guys i mean i'm sure you know we're all different of course but uh from what i've heard like, hawaiian people are generally laid back and and all um but um don't know if that's we're dealing with stereotypes now or since we are dealing with stereotypes but uh, oh, no it's um uh like just generally i mean uh there is a thing called hawaiian time in which you know it, it, uh you know if I, I try to not be on hawaiian time when i do these kind of skype podcasts because if i right. was then you know i'll be talking you know sometimes 15 minutes or half an hour late i mean it's um the, 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 the pace of life is it's the pace of life is just slower right like it's kind of like you know the new york minute Right in like big cities, it's very fast. It's kind of like you know in Hawaii, it's like it's just you know, I mean a lot of people are on vacation for one, and it's you know this you're it's kind of, it is good in a way because it's like you, you know you aren't in I mean I should say it's not it's not always good because on Oahu it, people are very busy if you're if you're working there, but you know but in general like you know it's uh you know it's it's a it's a little bit more sane. I moved to the I moved to the even more older Hawaii style Island where, you know, things are like, like slightly less expensive. And so things move a little bit slower because you don't have to work. Like on Oahu, I was actually working like crazy, but anyway, I'm, I'm, it's a long story. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm uh, looking forward to, to hearing it, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you mentioned then that you worked for a big company and then you started uh, your own Silver Spook stu- studio. So wh- when did you start the company Silver Spook Studios, out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, so Silver Spook Games started in, um, what is it, 20, I, I can't remember, I registered the name like only a couple of years ago, but I mean, I've been developing YouTube since probably at least 2013 or 14 so I, th- I guess as long as i've been working on new feed i've had the i've had the company yeah so wh- which came first was it uh, the studio or the game new feud so did you start working on new feud first i started working or at the on... same time yeah yeah basically yeah i mean i didn't really you know it's, it's basically just me so it's not like um it's not like i said okay it's time to start a studio and you know rented an office space and like 
got all kind of equipment. I just basically was working on near feud, um, on it, uh, basically on my, on my free time on my computer. It's actually, I made it on like an ancient, like, you know, it's like a Dell, it's not windows 98, but it's not much newer than that. Um, ancient <laughs> laptop. Cause I'll, you know, basically I didn't have a lot of money. So yeah, it wasn't like a big, it wasn't like a big, uh, yeah. Starting the company thing. It was more just like, uh, I need a company under which to release, Neo feud and so I, I was going by silver spook for a long time even like on uh on uh other game platforms and uh some of the earlier games i was working on i went by silver spook so i just said why don't i just call it silver spook game since i've been going by that for such a long time so and where did that name yeah. sorry where did that name come from uh silver spook how did you uh, originate with that name or is that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's kind of a, yeah, that's an interesting oh. story. Uh, I, but it's, it's um you know, basically, like, I, okay, so, like, this is kind of getting into, like, pre-adventure game history, but, like, in, when I was working on another game called uh, Terminus uh, Machina, which is a, <clears throat> that's a that's a Deus Ex total conversion mod that I made around 2011 or so. Um, I was going by the, I, I just needed a handle to register for the site, and I, I started going by the name, Silver Spook, because I forget exactly, I forget that there, there is a, re- okay, I, I can't remember. It's basically like in the game, there's a character who, um, there's a device called like the silverized, uh, there's a silverized trench coat that it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of like, uh, he's, he's, he's trying to stay under the radar. He's like being, a, he's being like, uh, um, tracked, you know, kind of like in Blade Runner, you know, in Cyberpunk, there's a thing of like the, the Orwellian police state, right, is constantly searching for you. So he, in order to stay out of the radar of, like, the autonomous drones that are, like, looking for his heat signature, he can put on this silver trench coat. And the trench coat reflects heat, so it kind of, like, the drones can't bomb him, basically, while he has a trench coat on. So uh, it's, it's kind of a joke, right? So he's, like, the silver spook, because he's, like, the silver, you know, industrial espionage or, like, you know, underground hacktivist sort of character. And so I just kind of... Right, I think the character, yeah. The, the character in the game, his name is Silver Spook. And so I'm just like, well, I'm Silver Spook. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> no, it ma- makes sense now. It's uh, not because I was curious and uh, I just didn't see where they came from. But now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, okay, so you said you mentioned uh, you mentioned that you started working on New Feud in 2013, 2014. Um, right, so uh, what... Um, uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the game. So, uh, I mean, from what I've seen, that there there's a lot in it. It's um, so. What, what's the what's the plot and the setting of of New Feud then? The main plot and setting. Okay, so yeah, the um, for people who haven't heard of it, but oh, if you haven't heard of it, okay. So yeah, so New Feud, if you, uh, well, I mean, like the, the tagline is basically it's a dystopic, dystopian cyberpunk adventure game in the vein of Blade Runner but with kind of a lot of Game of Thrones-like political intrigue in it. And it's, so, I mean, that's, yeah, it's kind of like if you've, if you've heard, uh, Game of Thrones is recently, uh, started, I think it just started this last season, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, um, um, yeah. well, it, I think, uh, well, a time of, yeah, it's a t- it will be on in mid-April. Mid-April, so, okay. Yeah, so. so a time, time recording, so this interview will probably go out uh, during the, <laughs> the season of Game of Thrones, so we're recording before it starts. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. So, so it's um, good time. I know, this whole, this, this whole timey-wimey thing can be confusing, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, so yeah. anyway, so, so, so it's basically like, 
yeah, Neophyte is a dystopic, dystopic cyberpunk is kind of the setting. Um, it's a little, I mean, it, it, I, I tried to make it, it's, it's, it's cyberpunk, but it's not necessarily, uh, cyberpunk is a very difficult and loaded uh, term. Uh, and it has a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people, I feel. Um, but, um, you know, you think of like the classic Blade Runner with, you know, uh, it's in the near future. It's kind of, um, there, there are obviously like flying cars and there's a lot of, of neon. There's a lot of, uh, what do we call high tech, low life characters as well, you know, societal, uh, stratification. There are robots and, um, many different of the tropes and things in cyberpunk. That's kind of the setting. Um, but I wanted to, I didn't want to kind of just do like this, like just do cyberpunk again, like just do Blade Runner again, or, you mm. know, cyberpunk 2077 or cyberpunk 2020 or shadow run again. So to kind of give it a unique spin, um, that's where kind of the, the, I, I, me and my wife and I were big fans of game of Thrones. And I was like, you know, kind of like, what if we like overlaid, you know, Game of Thrones, it deals with a lot of, you know, feudal era, you know, like a medieval era political intrigue where you have these lords and ladies and kings and queens that are kind of like, you know, uh, vying for control, vying for the Iron Throne, the, Stan the, the Starks and the Lannisters, right? And so, so um, it's kind of like the king, like the CEO, like, you know, for example, Terrell Corporation and Blade Runner, right? He's the big boss, the billionaire, you know, he's like the equivalent of what, you know, Jeff Bezos or somebody even more rich than he is now, right? So he's kind of like, so I was like, isn't a CEO the way they are now? They're basically like, you know, the king has, is a consolidation of like, he has, he has the, he has the economic, the military, the, the, even the religious and the political power all rolled into one person, the monarch, right? Isn't, you know, we, we billionaires now, don't they kind of like, you know, they're kind of like kings because they kind of have, you know, they have money, power, but they also have political power. And I don't know where you live. I live in America. So it's right. kind of weird here, you know? Uh, so, you know, they, they, you know, one of them is in power right now. And, um, and a lot of them, the other ones kind of run things. So, you know, isn't, wouldn't a king, uh, isn't a CEO kind of like a king? So in the game, he's actually the CEO of the corporate, of the, uh, uh, there's a, there's the, and they have kind of like jokey names, like, you know, there's like the Clinton Bush Corporation and there's the Coke Jobs and the Gates Walton, you know, there's all these kind of like, um, they're fictional families, but they uh, are basically royalty, all right? So they, but they're also CEO. So the king slash CEO, the emperor slash board chairman, you know, and, and so that's kind of where it overlays. And then there's characters in it who are like, uh, and th there's, there's kind of palace like, uh, scenes. So some, if you look at some of the pictures, it's like, that's why some people said, why is it kind of like some areas look different or some areas that look kind mm. of, um, like, you know, it looks kind of like, uh, like a, like a third world country with like a lot of like favela and, or what would you call it, like, uh, shanty towns and just kind of like ghetto, uh, very, um, you know, there's a lot of like not so nice areas and then there's some like very nice areas. And it's like, some people were like, why is this so inconsistent? But the, I, I, I kind of wanted to show the different, like, you know, that's, that's I was trying to illustrate the stratification of the society in through that. And the, the palace areas are kind of like where the rulers live, right. Or where the CEOs live. And then the street, which is where I'm from. I'm actually, a, a, I was actually, uh, I'm still a teacher and I was a, a social worker in the inner cities. And, um, and so that is kind of an illustration of like, what it's like. I don't know if you've ever been to, uh, well, I don't want to get too much into the real world, but that's, that's basically the setting. So it's kind of like the real world, right? And, and a lot of the inequality that exists in America where we have, you know, 
60%, I think, of the population, if you count rent and uh, Medicare, most people are actually living in poverty, even if you have a job. I had a job and actually was homeless while I was working oh. for, I was actually homeless while working on Near Food for a large part of the time. Oh because, my God, that's... Yeah, because the wow. price of rent on Oahu is, uh, it's like $1,800 for uh, one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I made $2,000 a month. So, so yeah, so I was actually living in a car, living in a Mazda Tribute, eating peanut butter for dinner with my family. So that was not wow, fun for a Yeah. So, God, so that, yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's kind of like, um, so. So you got like real world, you know, inspiration, shall we say, for the, for the game then. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, when I say it's like based on my personal experiences, um, like the art stories and gameplay and if you are a reflection of my experiences, like as a STEM teacher right, uh, and social worker for the underserved youth of the inner city in Honolulu, uh, which is not that different from LA or San Francisco or Oakland or, you know, New York or Seattle now. Um, and I was teaching robotics and programming and sustainability. And that was, as I said, that's difficult and stressful. And it's cause it's, you know, Hawaii is, it is one of the most beautiful places on the earth and it is beautiful. Mm. And there is, beautiful beaches and this weather is very nice, right? And there's a lot of nice things here. But I was dealing with families and working parents who were also living out of vans, sleeping on the street. Um, I had children who had no footwear and, you know, just like, you know, just in total abject poverty, living 20 to 30 to a house, eating spam and, you know, ramen like every night. Um, and it was hard to, you know, my job was basically to keep kids out of, out of gangs, out of negative behavior, off of drugs, and on a path toward better opportunities, um, such as the one, like, I, I'm from a very poor area of the island, but um, I had the opportunity to go to a, a more upscale private school because my father just happened to be a teacher at a private school. Otherwise, the tuition would have been $10,000 or more. We couldn't afford that. So I just happened to, I kind of lived in the sprawl, like, I lived in, like, the, the terrestrial garbage heap bottom floor of Blade Runner. But I went to school like in the Villa Straylight or in the Terrell building, basically. Right. Where so you said b- b- both worlds then. So you grew up, you know, with, uh, you know, to try to the, well, p- poor background, but you went to the private school. So you saw how they, they lived as well. So that, that, is that how you reflected in your game then in the youth? Field? That's how you were really able to see both worlds and put them that's, in the game? Yeah, that's absolutely basically what it is. Um, you know, some people ask, like, you know, how, how do you. Like there are parts of Neofi that's like it feels very street, and there are very characters in Neofi that are like these people are like from the you know if you can tell that they're very much from the poorest area, and in a lot of you know in the in the not good ways, and in some you know in some ways there's there's some um you know in in the it has the warts and all on the street level, but then there's also people who are extremely wealthy and are depicted in the way that in the various ways that being very wealthy can be good and can be not so good. Um, it's, right. it's because I grew up I've grew up you know obama president the president yes, before yep. Trump? i went to the school right down the street from him he went to Puna Hole school uh and i went to uh i went to marino school which is like we're, we're like you know we're like a slightly smaller Puna Hole. basically we're like a slightly smaller feeder school for the ivy leagues uh on on on, on oahu and you know so i i and i knew it and met and knew lots of people who would have been i actually know obama's sister um oh and so wow. there are lots of people um, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I know her through other yeah. people. Um, she's from Oahu. Anyways, so it's like, you know, I, 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 I've been in and out of both worlds. And it is like, it, when you, it's like, it's like visiting another planet when you visit, you know, um, the wealthiest billionaire class and the way that they live. Mm. 
it's it's totally different. So and and I have ex and I've worked for multiple. I've actually worked. I've actually worked for more than one billionaire, and so I don't I don't know them like. I kind of know their thoughts. I know their familial relationships and the way that it works there. And there's a lot. Of, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about that because it can get. You know, I can get. We can get more into that. But basically, it's 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 it's, it's just showing the 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 way that this. You know, kind of like I don't want to say that New Feud is kind of like explaining all of why this world is the way that it is, but it kind of is that. It's kind of like this is how the rich operate and their problems and their thoughts. You know, like being estranged from your you know, daughter, because, you know, you spent every moment of your day trying to make more money and you can like, yeah. pay people off to like, you can, you never have to actually be a human being in a relationship because you can afford to have yes men and yes women all around you. So having to listen to someone, including your own wife or daughter is um, inconvenient. And so kind of like, that's a, there's a character who's like that, who's like estranged and she hates her. She's at her, she is a royal, she is a, one of the near feudal royalty and she kind of like hates her family. Because they're just basically very selfish pricks, basically, and uh, right. yeah, so, so, so yeah, so it's kind of like that's what New Feud is. It's kind of an exploration of of class, and and there's also like racial tensions and and inequality and uh, a lot of social issues. Um, overlay with overlay of the Game of Thrones and more of a Blade Runner setting, Blade Runner cyber, traditional cyberpunk setting, with this kind of like cl the class and caste system. And there's like floating palaces and floating golf courses and. It sounds if it sounds very trippy and weird, it is. So, <laughs> if you want to play like a really simple, just another Cyberpunk 2020 or you know Blade Runner game, it's not that. It's uh, it is, it is a it is something else. But I, I compare you know like I'm a big fan of Terry Gilliam, Brazil, yes, yes. and classic you know those kind of movies. Uh, Mon Monty, it's kind of like if Monty Python, like Terry Gilliam is a Monty Python member. Uh -huh. It's kind of like if Monty Python. Rift on cyberpunk, right? <laughs> That's kind of what I was aiming for. There's actually multiple Terry. I love I love the movie Brazil or like you know Zero Theorem and, and all of his work and uh, uh, or 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 you know it's like if Douglas Adams, right, Hitchhiker's Guide, right? If he was not if you instead of just focusing on the the space opera, if you focus on cyberpunk, I like to think New Feud is closer to that. It's not it, it's not quite full comedy, but it does have like a lot of satirical elements and then serious elements. So, okay, that's, that's, that's kind of a long explanation. That's a long one, but no, that's that's good. That's what I'm going to ask you then. Is there is it would you describe it as a comedy or it's more like satirical kind of? Is it that that you mentioned? You know, like um, uh, satirizing kind of society and the world that we live in uh, right now. So it's not 100% serious and it's not 100% uh, comedy. That's that's yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much exactly what it is. Um, uh, yeah, somebody somebody one of the reviewers said you know it's like a timely political satire of right. modern so, social and uh, the mo modern socio political economic world, but with the dark glasses of cyberpunk. Uh, so it has it has the um, like I mean for for example I mean in 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 Brazil I mean I don't know if, I don't know how good of a reference point Brazil is or but, but you know in, in Brazil there's some funny things like there's you know there's characters who are like you know he wakes up and there's like the automatic toast maker and the toast pops out and then the coffee maker spills coffee all over his toast and then the egg you know the egg maker cracks the egg and it drops the egg into his 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 briefcase and something really silly happens right but then also later on it's like you know a guy gets his uh, a, a, a literal insect falls into a computer system and it causes a bug and then which causes the 
the, it tells the SWAT team to uh, the, the wrong person is uh, identified as a terrorist and a SWAT team busts into a guy's house and scares his family and puts a bag on his head and they kidnap him. And, you know, and it's like really serious and it's really and then, you know, yeah. he gets he gets tortured and it's pretty serious stuff. But it's surrounded by all this silly comedy stuff. Right. Um, right. So so it's similar to that. It's like it's kind of like it has a lot of. It's trying to deal with serious, you know, that was dealing with kind of like the tyranny of, of, of the bureaucracy and the inflation of, you know, Margaret Thatcher era uh, uh, things, uh, new, you know, uh, the, how the society was changing and the over expenditures on intelligence and in data collection, et cetera. And, you know, uh, or, Orwellian themes, but in a kind of uh, with with like Monty Python style uh, 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 humor, you know. Um, so, yeah, Neofit is, is, is very much um, in that in that sort of vein so it's more satirical satirical it's not like it's not like you know classic it's not like american i shouldn't say american but you know it's not like a just a romantic comedy you know hollywood style comedy yeah. comedy it's more of a satire, it's more of a satire. Yeah. Yeah. okay sounds sounds very ambitious but that's what i love about uh you know the best sci-fi i think are ones that have kind of this kind of you know message that try to be ambitious you know in the storytelling and the setting as well so with your game it's not just uh, as you mentioned, the Blade Runner, but it tries to, to you know, to to go above and beyond what we would expect uh, from. Uh, so, um, so then, who is the the main character in Neo Feud? Uh, who, who, you know, who, uh, who, who? Well, yeah, <laughs> who is the main character? <laughs> so, yeah, the main character in Neo Feud is a guy called uh, Carl Carbon, Car- Carl Carbon. So. Uh, that's a uh, he's basically a cipher for me. He is me basically. Um, with ex- I, I don't quite go on you know you know globe trotting uh, time travel <laughs> involving adventures to save the planet. But you know not every day. I don't do that every day. But, I mean uh, may- yeah maybe I mean maybe you have but you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know maybe I went back and erased my former lifetime so I can. Just, and you, you don't know. <laughs> yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't know would you? So anyways yeah Carl Carpenter is a. Uh, he is an ex-cop dishonorably discharged from uh, Costandia Police Department for disobeying an order to shoot an unarmed uh, sentient humanoid or a sentient, basically a, a android or a replicant. Carl is exiled to the pile, it's, uh, which is kind of like a massive uh, trash heap uh, where they, uh, where, where the uh, wealthy class, like they have, there's basically, uh, well, actually, yeah, there's androids and there's robots who are basically created. Uh, as tools, right? Similar to like you know, uh, Blade Runner has that, right? With the replicants, right, so like, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 when when the act, but it's you know, New Feud is basically somebody also said New Feud is like, it's like a more serious or more realistic depiction of the world that is suggested by Blade Runner with androids and people being or uh, sentient things being produced as tools rather than as people. It's a more realistic depiction of that that. Uh, takes it to uh, the next level. That's what that was. Another reviewer, I think, it was in Nerdando or something. And so it's kind of like you know. So Carl Carbon is a social worker uh, in this world who is discarded. The pile is is that place where when they get tired of the I Android Seven, right? So when you're you know your personal servant Android, if it gets too old, then the next season's one, right? So the, so so you know the Amazon Droid version eight in Christmas, and the next Christmas comes out, you got to throw the old one away, right? You throw right. you throw the old one into the giant landfill. Right, so all the robots uh-huh. are dumped into this giant landfill slash, you know, uh, South African slash Mumbai crowded 
Ten City, Shadow, Shantyland of, you know, it's kind of like San Francisco streets where everyone's shooting up, um, all rolled into one. And so all these defective machines, they, they get dropped down there. They have to survive. Nobody cares about them. Um, and so Carl Carbon, but some of the wealthy elite are kind of like, um, they're like, you know, what do you call quote unquote bleeding heart liberals or who people who care about other people. I don't know. It's kind of a foreign concept in the billionaire class, people who care about other people. Anyway, so, um, so, 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 so they are unhappy with a world in which you have 99% of the population discarded into a trash heap, left to, you know, rot on the sidewalk with no uh, uh, prospects. And so Carl Carbon is a social worker for the sentient humanoid and uh, transgenic. That's like they're like experimental chimera, human animal hybrid uh, creatures. He is a social worker for them to try to help them you know, get their, 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 their welfare benefits and their, their, you know, a house and food and all the basic things. So his job is to kind of help them get on their feet and try to help them find jobs and such. Um, he is, he counsels, uh, gangbanging foster kid robots and confiscates, um, chimera children from, uh, half wolf parents. And till one day a case goes horribly sideways and Carl is drawn into a sordid conspiracy that could threaten the strain fabric of human robot hybrid civilization. Anyway, that's, I'm reading from the synopsis of Hukar. <laughs> yeah, no, but, that's, so, so, so yeah. you, you use your own experience as a social worker for the main character, right? That's that's correct. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I did do, you know, basically, you know, worked in human services, did a lot of, I dealt with a lot of, you know, it was basically the poorest populations. Um, a lot of them were, you know, you know, they're in, in America, it's like, you know, a lot of people of color, a lot of uh, the very poor, the a lot of immigrants, uh, some asylum seekers, um, uh, most of them were children. I, I work with second to eighth graders and then another program, 15 to 21 year olds um, who are basically trying to get a high school diploma and, um, you know, trying to help them get jobs, you know, and trying to help them, mm. you know, you know, it's, it, it was basically, yeah, it's basically all the people who are having difficulty in their life, which there are a lot of people in America. Now, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but uh, it's, 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 uh, so it was, it, it it's yeah, Carl Carmen is basically doing what I was doing, you know, basically trying to coach kids and teach them. You know, they all thought that, you know, Ice Cube, right? Ice Cube, LeBron James, Kanye West, that's their role models, right? For mm. these for these kids. They were like, they were, I'm gonna be a rap star and they'd give me lip. They're like, get out of here, Mr. Chris. You know, I'm gonna be Ice Cube. I don't need to read no books. I don't need to right, do no yeah. math. What are you talking about? You know, and like the, the character, the character who very much is, uh, is a he's called I, he's called the six billion dollar baller. That's what he calls himself in the game. He's the robot gangster, and he's like, you know, he's got his gold chain. He's got his make. He's got he's all broken up. He's a robot, but he's got like a Mega Man arm. He's got like you know he's got like a you know Terminator leg because he he's broken. He's like discarded from the you know he, the, the rich people threw him away because he got he's old now. But he like he picked himself up and now he's like, I'm going to be the next Ice Cube. I'm going to be the baddest, you know, and he's actually also, you know, dealing drugs. But he's but he's only like a kid. Right. He's like he's like 16 years old and he's like looking up to like rap stars and basketball players. And which is like my the kids that I was working with. And, you know, um, you know, and these are the kids that would give me lip. And the, the way he talks is exactly the way that uh, the kids uh, and where I'm from. That's the way that they talk. Mm. And uh, so Carl Carver's job is to take those kind of like kids who are like starting to get into dealing drugs, starting to get into ripping off cars and, you know, just negative things that are going to self-destruct and end up in prison in a for-profit prison in America, making whole foods products for 74 cents an hour. So trying to stop them from going down that path. Right. And, and so it's, you know, it's kind of like my kind of job was to be a role model for those kids, you know, on top of like teaching them, you know, 
how to like not dress in a tank top and don't bring your you know don't bring your gold chains and your attitude into a job interview or you may not ever <laughs> get it so it's, that was actually part of the, one of the, one of the classes was occupational knowledge where we just teach them like how to show up not smelling like weed at the job <laughs> interview that's tough for some you know wow <laughs> so so it was like you know so that so carl's job is kind of to like be kind of like a surrogate parent slash role model and that was my job for these for these kids and it's it, it's just with a cyberpunk overlay so he's like He's trying to help robot kids and, you know, half half cat and half wolf, you know, uh, discarded. They basically discarded eugenics experiments that the wealthy elite were trying to create the perfect human body and the perfect servant. And and um, and uh, and uh, so it's got, you know, so but but it's based on a real a real life. So anyway, long story short, basically, Carl Carbon is working with those kids and um, trying to help them. Um, that's his job anyway. But. Things, you know, he doesn't always do the right thing, and he, but he is an ex-cop. So I didn't want to just have another cop because, I don't know, there's just, like, so many, right, there's so yeah. many cops in, in cyberpunk and in sci-fi, you know, in noir. It's just, like, it's kind of, like, I wanted to, again, I wanted to mix things up, like, with adding in the Game of Thrones and the uh, kind of medieval, over, uh, medieval uh, mix to the cyberpunk world. Like, I wanted to mix things up and just do, like, a, I haven't seen a, so, actually, there's only one social worker that I've ever seen as the star of a cyberpunk science fiction movie. And that is District 9 by Neil Blomkamp. And yes, I'm a big I fan of, that, yes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Neil Blomkamp. So um, uh, so it's kind of, and I, I, I would compare it to you. The, the tone of it and like its, um, its ambition is similar to what Neil Blomkamp tries to achieve, which is, it doesn't always necessarily look exactly like, like what you would expect from like, like an alien movie you know district nine doesn't look like you know alien or star trek right but oh yeah it looks very different yeah it looks yeah it, it has kind of like a real world it's based on neil blancom's experiences as well in South, so, in yeah, South. yeah so that's kind of, kind of similar what's your doing what what he did with his film you're growing up in south africa um you know with all the problems you know that they had and now you're doing the same like you're based you know uh using your experiences with those kids and yourself as a social worker and a teacher and then putting it in this cyberpunk uh, sci-fi setting, I think it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, that's that's yeah, very much. Yeah. And oh, I, I should say Chappie. I'm a big fan of uh, Chappie. Is a more recent. You know, I don't know yes. now. I, I saw it a few years ago. Yes. Yeah. So 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 as I said, you know, kind of like the that was kind of the one of the jumping off points was like you know Chappie has a as <laughs> as a robot, right? It's like you know, it's kind of like you know that was kind of like the you know, it's like in, a lot of science fiction is like you know in the future, right? In the future, sentient robots arrive. We have artificial intelligence, but you know, it's often it's like the Terminator overlords, or it's like the Singularity saviors right. who are going like, to cure our diseases, end war and poverty, and all these. You know, it's either going to just exterminate us or do something amazing for us. You know, and um, you know, it's kind of like you know, uh, conscious, but you know, you know, conscious machines are in in new feed, conscious machines are humanity's unwanted bastard children. And and I think Chap again, Chappie is like another good example of that, where you know he. He like obviously he Chappie has the ability to learn extremely fast. It's like you mm -hmm. know, it's basically conscious can create poetry and art and all these great things. But you know, it's kind of like, but if you create the most genius machine, you know, if you drop Albert Einstein into the ghetto, don't give you know you, you underfund his school, cut his healthcare, and you know, let him squal live in squalor. What do you think he's gonna become, right? Like, what do you think? What you know? What what people are not just their you know, you know. Uh, their genes, they're also their upbringing. If you don't have parents, right? If you don't, you have, you know, uh, right, culture yeah. and nourishment and 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 uh, and a uh, 
uh, nurturing that, or you don't have nurturing and you don't have parents. And that's a big theme in the issue is, 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 is um, the responsibility of the society and the parents of what, what is the responsibility of the society and the parents to the kids, you know, then you're going to get, you know, Chappie and he just becomes a gangster, you know, he becomes a gangster. And then, and then the, you know, the, you know, it's, um, I don't want to give the whole plot of Chappie, but th so it deals with, that was kind of a big inspiration behind that character. And, uh, you know, the way that he kind of, he starts off just kind of like as a kid, he goes kind of like through his entire phase of childhood going from like just a kid playing with rubber chickens. And, you know, I love mommy and daddy to like, you know, and then it's like in one day he goes from there to like, now he's like, I'm going to be cool and be a gangster and do some heists, right? You know, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, there's a character that very much inspired um, that the character I was talking about. It's like, I was like, dude, that's exactly like all the kids that I work with every day. They're just like that. They're like all innocent at the age of, you know, kindergarten. And and then, you know, by the time they're fifth grade, they're like, you know, dealing all kind of, you know, they're doing pot and all kind of other dealing pot and all the substances. And it's like, I have to make a game that, like, touches this because I haven't yeah. seen that, you know. Anyway, so. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any other game that touches on. I mean, I know that there are different games that touch on real life as well, but I can't think of any game offhand that touches on real life and real experiences like what you were describing and like what you've went, what you've gone through and what you've seen, like, the other kids go through as well. It seems, so even though it's set in a futuristic cyberpunk setting, it seems to be very realistic, uh, in the depiction of the characters. And, yes. Yeah. And then uh, with, the, with the other characters, then with the billionaires, were, were they, you know, the other the rich characters in the game, were they based maybe on other people that you, that you maybe have known or maybe worked for, as you mentioned, or when you went to the school, were, were they based on people who you got to know? Very much so. Um, you know, like, I mean... Like, okay, so I went to this school, as I mentioned, you know, I'm from, mm -hmm. I'm from an area, I'm from, I'm from the poorer side of the coconut trees. I'm from an area where my neighbors basically, they live like 20 to a house. Now they live 40 to a house. Cause as I said, you know, the rent on Oahu in, the rent in major cities, I'm guessing it's similar in places like London on your guys' side of the pond. Where yeah, in, in Dublin here as well, it's, 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 we have very high over here as well. Yeah. And so, so, you know, it's just like, it's it just gotten worse and worse and worse. And yeah. so that's kind of why I'm not on that island anymore. Anyway, so, so I'm from that side. It was already difficult in the time when I was growing up, you know, my neighbors, they lived, you know, 22 house. They ate, as I said, ram, uh, sorry, spam and ramen and just like white rice with ketchup and Cheetos. And, you know, they had no nutritional information. They had no health information. They had, they had no really good nutritional education, nor the money to buy. They have like convenience stores are closer than the grocery stores here. Um, in the poor areas, they just, the, the, it just, you know, it's just really unfortunate situation, uh, like a lot of ghetto ghettos mm -hmm. and, and poor areas in the United States, unfortunately. Um, and so, you know, like my friends though, you know, my joke was like, when I went to pr the private school that I went to, right. It was, you know, it was predominantly, you know, uh, Caucasian and Asians at that school, mm -hmm. predominantly very wealthy, right. The children of, you know, the children of Jeff Bezos, the children of, <laughs> uh, of Steve Jobs, right? The children of 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 the very wealthy elite, um, and the people who are people aspiring to climb the ladder to get into the millionaire and billionaire class, right? And so, so you know, we, you know, it's like, we, and with my friends, you know, in, in in school, they in the school they actually outlawed dodgeball because there's so many lit, there were so many like people wanting to sue, right, or litigate. Because my daughter got or my son got hit in the eye with a dodgeball and I'm gonna sue you for a million dollars. So they outlawed dodgeball. But when I would go home, we played Dodge the Rock because we couldn't <laughs> afford balls. 
So me and my friends in in the ghetto, we played. You know, they would just throw yeah. rocks. We would just throw rocks at each other because we and, it, and everybody got really bloody. You can imagine how much more a uh, you know a pound of solid you know uh, uh, cro- rock is gonna hurt you more than a rubber ball. And right, and yeah, yeah. Uh, just two different worlds, right? And so. Like yeah, um, you, you guys seem to be like made of really hard stuff, you know. Like you, the, the uh, <laughs> kind of rich people are not playing dodgeball. Like oh my my child, and you guys are playing, you know, rock ball. That yeah, like, rock you, ball. you think that's it's, bad? <laughs> it's like you know, we we would have loved to play dodgeball. We just couldn't. They didn't have the money to buy the ball. They didn't have footwear. Like we were just running around. We'd run around the forest, like jump off of you know, jump uh, off of rocks into ponds, and you know, just run around in the forest throwing rocks and. Uh, it was, you know, uh, in some ways it was kind of like, I look back and it's like, you know, and sometimes we go to the beach, you know, but it, in some ways it was kind of like, I look back and it's kind of nostalgic, but another way I look back and I'm like, man, that's, that's kind of messed up, you know, <laughs> like, and it, no, it's but- like, anyway, so, so the, the kids that's, you know, we get into this like rusty old Toyota Corolla, ancient, like 30 year old Toyota Corolla, which is based, that's what Carl Carbon's car, which is like three different shades of red, green, and blue. Cause you piece, you took the hood off from one car and, you know, my dad was constantly fixing his old car. He had the oldest car in the school. You know, everyone else had a Mercedes or a Lexus, and he was driving this ancient Toyota. And, you know, and, like, you know, I had I didn't have nice clothes. I didn't have nice things. I looked different because I'm, like, I'm, like, native Hawaiian. I'm, like, darker than everybody there. So I was definitely, like, socially ostracized, and there, I definitely was, like, bullied and kind of, like, you know, I was bigger because, you know, like, you know, like the rock, you know, Polynesians yeah, are just, yeah. kind of, build is just bigger, right? So it's, but, like, you know, um, so I was kind of singled out, and, that was, you know, that was that definitely had a big impact, and um, and and the way in which that society, right, kind of, um, it's very exclusive, right? It's very like, you know, I don't want to like deride that, you know, but it is very like, oh, no, absolutely, yeah, that you know, it's what... very like sn- snobby is a mm-hmm. uh, n- less nice way to put it, you know, but basically like we are better than you, we have more than you, right? And it's constantly trying to prove how much we have. Uh, yeah, it, no, we... The part was like. Yeah, in that school, and then as I got out and working for the upper class, you know, it was like, you know, they buy cars that they don't drive just to show off the car that they got. <laughs> buy six Teslas just to show that I can get six of the newest ones. I right, buy a yeah. million dollar Maybach or a, you know, whatever limousine just to show it. And then I, you know, I, 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 I my phone was cracked. I'm making near feed on, you know, Windows 7, you know, Windows XP laptop. And everybody's like, why are you making it on that? Are you, and, and even if I said where I was from, like, I'm from, you know, I'm from, Kalihi is just the valley, right? People would make fun of me just because of where I was from. Like, oh, you're from that? That's like a dump, isn't it? That's not like a garbage pile. Like, is it? And they just, they wouldn't, if they were polite, they wouldn't say that. They just kind of like, you know, walk off diagonally and make friends with someone else. So, of course, yeah. No, we, we have simil- like similar in Dublin as well, in Ireland as well, depending on where you live, where you're from. You know, if you're from a kind of a lower class area, people kind of look, look down on you. So it's, um, yeah. it's, but, but yeah, so now I, Definitely understand. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that that's, yeah. that's kind of where that, that's where I got the kind of idea for the characters. And I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say like all rich people are. Everybody course, yeah. from that class is bad. It's not all bad. There there is like one of the the one of the main characters is from the billionaire or trillionaire class, and um, she isn't. She uh, I I don't want to give too many spoilers, but yeah, there that, there is <laughs> there is there there are some good characters who are who are wealthy and, and upper class. They're not that many. But they do exist. Okay, and that's good to <laughs> that's good to put in the game as well to show that you know just because you're rich doesn't mean that you're necessarily a snob as as you say or or you don't necessarily look down. You can be nice as well. It's not maybe not that often, but <laughs> it's but. yeah it, yeah the way I like to describe I, I kind of think of it is like you know it's like it's not impossible 
to start to like, you know, to keep the fire, you know, it's not a posh, you know, like, you know, I think of like a goodness is kind of like a, a fire that burns in your heart that you can keep going. It's not impossible to like light a match in the rain, but if it's rain, you know, if it's raining cash, it's hard to start a fire, you know, it just makes it harder because you're sur- right. it's kind of like you're surrounded by money. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can pay anyone to be nice to you. Why would you want to pay any, you know, why would you surround yourself with people who are going to call you on your, your BS, right? Like, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, you, you just start feeling that, you know, like I'm more important, you know, in the beginning, you're like, Oh, I have so much money. This is such a nice luxury. But later on, you're like, maybe, you know, everyone's telling me I'm so good. You start kind of believing your own nonsense. Like maybe I'm such yeah. a smart dude, you know, like our president, I'm, I got the best big brain. I'm so smart. <laughs> Why else would I have a billion dollars? Cause I'm such a big genius, ethical, smart, the best, I'm, th- I got the best brain, you know, like, you know, the best heart. I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the anyway, best. <laughs> I know I, I won't start with the voice. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't do the best one, but uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so that that's kind of that's kind of I, I do everything in Yifit is um uh the characters. There's even a character who is like a there's a hippie Terminator. Um, okay. So he's like a he's a peace and love. He's like just peace and love, dude. Just like love everyone. But he's a Terminator. His job was to like he was a killing machine, right? built by the corporate elite to be a professional uh, soldier exterminator of the people that they didn't want around. And, you know, but he comes back from the war. He like, did like two doors. He did two tours in what's called the quote unquote uh, second Dresden firebombing. So that gives you a little bit of the, the world of near feud. Okay. It's, uh, world war three has kind of happened and he did two tours and he got his, you know, like a loss, uh, it got his leg shot off by a depleted uranium shell and cooked his motherboard and, now he's got, and he lost a bunch of his friends, and he has, he's, he's a, he's a Terminator with post-traumatic stress disorder, and he's going to the, the, the DHS, the, the, the welfare office to kind of get, uh, uh, therapy vouchers to kind of help him deal with this. He's going to the VA to try to get his, to get help with his kind of, uh, post-traumatic stress, and he's trying to like, he's adopted a hippie, kind of like almost like Buddhist peace and love lifestyle to try to deal with the, the demons, right, from having gone to like the equivalent of Vietnam. Iraq and Syria, right? Um, right. And yeah. So, so, and that was based on I worked with a lot of veterans as well. A lot of them were volunteers who were trying to help with the kids. And so, anyway, the point is that like you know everybody in YouTube is based on. I tried to as much as possible base them on people that I actually knew, either myself, the kids that I work with, as from the the street, the 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 the, the you know veterans as well as military veterans and and also the the upper class, you know. So. Um, Right, yeah, it's right, very yeah. ambitious, you know. <laughs> well, no, definitely, it sounds really ambitious. But I think, you know, from your life that you're in a, a unique position, like, uh, you know, as you mentioned, coming from the um, less well-off area, but then going to the private school and seeing how both sides uh, live, which is, and I don't think many people uh, can say that, that they've got, had the two lives. And, yeah, um, so. so and then um, about uh, the gameplay of uh, New Flu, because the the story, you know, from what I think you said, it sounds fascinating. It's very certainly ambitious. And um, but then about the the gameplay. So how how is the gameplay in New Feud? Is it uh, point and click? Uh, yeah. So New Feud is it's um, it's like classic uh, point and click style. It does actually have uh, what would in the more you know in the world of Point click adventure is like four verbs, so it does have like you know walk, talk, uh, walk, talk, look at, and you know use basically. So it's it's right. classic point click gameplay, and then it has an inventory, 
um, you know, similar to, you know, Space Quest, Monkey Island, uh, classic games. I, but it's closer to, I would say, it doesn't have as, it, it has, the feel is more like something like Primordia, Techno Babylon, mm. uh, Unavowed, uh, well, not Unavowed, uh, it's not for, not like, it's not a choose your part, a choose your uh, party yeah. members. But it's like, uh, what is the one before uh, Unavowed? Uh, a Blackwell. Blackwell, Blackwell series, yeah. Blackwell series. So it's, kind of, it's more like the Wadget Eye style adventure games in the sense that it's it, it has a lot of it feels like a lot of the 90s point of clicks but it's a little more um it's a little more accessible i would say um not yeah i try to avoid kind of the you know uh there's not really pixel hunting and yeah. uh, it's more there's more hints you know it's not as hard to uh it's not as well I don't, i'm trying to say this without insulting Spoiler. some of the games but you know it's just it's yeah. a little easier to get right like, oh, you know, the way I, the I, I understand huh? yeah no, because I, I love you know the games you mentioned the 90s game right to see your lucasarts game but i think if you try to make a game exactly like those games now you might alienate a large part of the audience because those games were hard and um i was discussing with another developer how those games you know were you know longer but then a lot of time was just, you know, backtracking or you're just spent so long, like stuck in a puzzle, trying to figure out a puzzle. Or if it, you know, with Sierra's case, you know, that's you, uh, especially the King's Quest or Space Quest, you die a lot and you have to figure out how not to. And why we really enjoyed them, I think, with new gamers now, I, I believe that certainly you should probably try and make uh, games more accessible, which sounds like what, what you're doing. And oh, so, what, yeah. yeah. So then what, what about to put, you mentioned the puzzles that they're, uh, they're they're not too difficult. Uh, did, uh, are there uh, are there more environmental puzzles or inventory puzzles or how how would you describe the puzzles in the game? Um, yeah, so the puzzle there's there's a variety of different types of puzzles. Um, I would say um, yeah, there are puzzles that are kind of like you know I have you know you have an object or one of the one of the early puzzles is you know you lost your your what was it it's like you know basically your id card but it's your consciousness card because it's cyberpunk and you need to find your card that identifies you as a conscious person and you know so it involves a lot that one involves uh, uh, uh talking to people i would say there's probably more um not dialogue puzzles but there's a more like investigatory mm. talking and it's trying right. to find out key information it's kind of like i want you know uh well one is it's if you do a lot of social issues so you do have to uh you know talk and get the, the 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 get the takes from a lot of different people and eventually you know i don't want to i can't i try to say this without giving away that puzzle but basically like you know there's some that involve like finding key information and, and talking to one person and cross checking that with someone else uh being oh i know i kind of i know somebody who might have done it uh you should ask her um and then and then there's also like just more like um you need to fix your item uh you have like a you know carl has a blowtorch but it's missing the you know the oxygen or something like that so you need to you know find you know, uh, right. things to make your items work. I mean, it's not, um, I, I don't want to bring up a certain puzzle that involves a scotch tape and cat hair, but uh, <laughs> it's not quite like that. Uh, it's, 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 I, it, there are some puzzles that are kind of like, you know, you have to kind of think, you know, what, what can I use to make fire? And like, you know, what can I use to, you know, um, hold things together? But it's not, um, I tried not to, again, like we, like we said, right, kind of like I didn't want to alienate people. So there are some inventory mm. puzzles and kind of like environmental puzzles you know, uh, just kind of like figuring out how to put things together, but try to make them as, uh, you know, try to help them, try, try to make them be as uh, intuitive and, um, you know, telling the story right. through so to, the to, objects. To, yeah, so yeah. to integrate them into the story as well, which I imagine is can be difficult. 
Yeah, yeah. So the, the nice thing about, I mean, in kind of a weird way, like Kyle Harper, who is, you know, he's like, you know, he's a, he's a, he's not, he's on the, he's on the poor end of the spectrum. He's not the poorest character, but he's like one step above to, uh, abject poverty. And you know, like being, being kind of like, you know, like a detective, it's obvious, right? It's very cops, detectives, FBI agents. Their investigatory life is very much geared towards an adventure game because you got to look at clues and look at little objects, be really attention to detail in the environment. But also, I find you know, being a poor social worker is, is very much like an adventure game because I often think my, my bumper is falling off, right? My Toyota right. 1992 bumper is falling off. How do I get it to stay back on there? Hmm, maybe I can use this string, <laughs> this yarn from my daughter's sweater that she doesn't want. I could take the yarn and tie it to my yarn. Or maybe I can duct tape it. There you go. Uh -huh. right? So it's like, it's a, there's a lot of like things like that. Like Carl's arm breaks. Like he has like a cybernetic, you know, he's got like a, you know, he's got like a cybernetic cyberpunk protagonist, hard-boiled dude arm, like, you know, uh, deus ex human revolution dude, right? But his arm is like, you know, 30 years old, it's malfunctioning, he can't afford the arm mortgage on it to keep it updated with the latest parts. And so he has to figure out these kind of like makeshift solutions that involves duct tape and other, <laughs> so, you know, so in that kind of way, it, it, it is comedic in the way that some of the classic games work. Like he has to use like olive oil and duct tape and, you know, take off bits of his belly button lint and string it together. You know, not not quite that silly, but you know, stuff like that. Right. And, yeah. 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 But it also tells the story of the character. It's like you know, because you know, if if you, the rich character, they just buy a whole new body, right? Like an altered carbon, right? But the poor uh -huh. characters have to figure out how to make their collapsing old, rusty, you know, you know, ten-year-old Samsung arm work with <laughs> ancient parts. So in that sense, it kind of does those kind of puzzles in a weird way. The duct tape puzzles kind of tell the story of the character who who they who they are by how they deal with their objects because there are the, the wealthier characters they just have like their designer body like oh this is my you know sexy godzilla half lizard body for when i go to the academy awards this is my other you know super buff body for when i do my you know when i go to the, this is my super sexy you know good looking beyonce body for when i go to Davos. you know this is you know they all have right. each body they can choose whichever body they want Right. But the lower class, they have to kind of like constantly reconstruct their old secondhand falling apart body. It's kind of a big part of the game. So right. anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> as you mentioned, you know, to, uh, it's kind of like, you know, real life, you know, like rich people like or, you know, a lot of people can just, oh, look, buying you phone or whatever. But then if you're. Uh, if you don't have the money, then you have to make do it like, okay, how do I make this work? Or how do I, how do I get, get this uh, going? And well, duct tape, I think it's probably the answer to everything. So. Duct tape, that's like the number one, that's my number one item that I always have the duct tape. I have six rolls of duct tape, three different colors right now. Always, <laughs> my phone, my phone, I mean, true story. My, yeah, part of it was inspired because like my phone was cracked and I had a cracked phone for about three years because I couldn't afford to get a new one. And um, that was the thing. Yeah, I was like, you know, people with like, you know, brand new Google Glass VR headsets are like, oh, you're using an ancient Nokia brick phone. What's wrong with you? I'm like, that was kind of, you know, it's kind of like that translated into the real. Yeah, so it's totally that translated into that, the real world, you know. Definitely. <laughs> okay. And and then I saw, saw in the description of the game that there are some action sequences. Is, is that right somehow? Uh, are there many action sequences? Are they, you know, are they just part, uh, you know, uh, not that often, or how often would they appear in the game? Yeah, so there is, I w it's not It's not an action game, and the parts mm. where there are, I would say, um, there, 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 are, there are a couple, there's, well, there's basically like one or maybe two scenes that involves any kind of shooting, and um, 
and it's um I would say it's closest to Gemini Rue. I don't know if you heard of that game. Yes, you know I've played a really the one of my favorites actually. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the, Gemini Rue had Gemini Rue was yeah, was some... it was interesting that it had kind of a it had kind of a point and click adventure with kind of a cover. It's not a cover shooter, but it had kind of a you know uh, you can go into cover and come shooting. Yes. Yeah. So so yeah. there is a yeah there is a scene in Niji that's kind of like that. That was one of the. Um, most, I mean, I kind of just, I just, I was like, I played Gemini Rue. I love Gemini Rue. There's a lot of similarities between Nia Feud and Gemini Rue, but obviously both uh, cyberpunk-ish adventure mm-hmm. games. And so I wanted to kind of have like a part that's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of action, a little bit of tension, because you have to, you have to basically pop out and then you press the button to shoot. Um, and I was like, but I'm going to do Gemini one, Gemini Rue one better. I'm going to have two characters, one of them shooting. The other one is going to be like trying to, you know, the SWAT team busts in the door and they're trying mm. to get you. And you got to like, one guy's got to cover for you. Another guy's going to be like, you know, trying to like blow torches way through a storm drain to get out or, you know, move boxes. And, you know, you, so it's, okay. uh, kind of it, like a puzzle it, as well. It's kind of a puzzle. Uh, that one, um, I, that one was the longest to, uh, to debug and try to like make it more playable because, it is a. It was a two-character puzzle. The first version was very difficult. A lot of people were like, "Oh, this is too," kind of like if you were like really good at you know, let's say like eye-hand coordination sort of games, uh, uh, then it would it might you know it, it involved a lot of clicking and and time, mm. it, difficult timing. So I, I revamped it to make it easier and not as um, unforgiving. And um, and so, but that that was that was the one kind of action sequence that um, or one one of a couple. Uh, it's, not really, it's not really like there, there are sequences that have action in it, but it's not. It's still point and click style. Like you know, use this object on that. It's not like it's not. It's not like full. Um, you know, it's not like full, full action, action yeah. game. It's just kind of like yeah. you know, use the gun to you know cover and then use something on else. And it, it, I tried to make it. The first version was more difficult, but the 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 second, the later after the beta, I I made it made it simpler so it, it does have shooting and there is action there are a lot of cutscenes that have a lot of action there's like you know there's an actual there's like a star wars there's like star wars you know in elysium it's like star wars in elysium from neil blomkamp there's like space flying cars shooting at each other there's like you know you know there's like the there's like you know uh flying cars and and, and military you know drones like firing at each other. but that you're not you're not um it's an action cutscene. it's not like you're flying planes uh, you right, do, you do yeah. fly a flying car, but it's not like it's not like you're playing Space Invaders and Radius in the game. It's still all point and click adventure game, but with some action sequences. Let's put it that way. Okay, okay, sounds good. And then the, so the the graphics then look very very unique. You know, when I look at the the screenshots, and I believe that they're hand painted. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So or, if it's yeah, so I the way. It's um I didn't finger paint them like <laughs> that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, but, so how did you make the the graphics then? Because they, they do look unique. Yeah, I didn't paint. Like, I didn't, yeah, so people were like, "Did you paint this on like actual canvas or like?" No, I, I, I it's 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 painted digitally painted using a, a Wacom tablet and Photoshop. Um, mm-hmm. So it's I, I you know I painted it all. Um, I mean, as opposed to say, I mean. I, it, yeah, I know that could be like a misleading term, but basically, as opposed to like, you know, I didn't like get some assets or just render something or it's not procedural. It's uh, everything in the game is basically like, uh, uh, you know, painted up in in Photoshop. And I wanted to like it, one unique thing about Neofeud is it it is 
relative to let's say Sierra 90s Sierra or LucasArts style games, it is higher resolution. So mm-hmm. higher than definitely higher than all the Wadjet Eye games, which are the ones I, I love those games. But I, you know, to kind of make Neofeed stand out even more because I mean, again, it is more ambitious. So I wanted to give it a really unique style, um, you know, which some people they like they they some people didn't like it so much but uh one thing i was like my, my kind of thing was like you know um there are you know five thousand cyberpunk games on steam um <laughs> and you know but there's only one near feud you know there's like there's like exactly there's, i didn't want to be like the 580th best cyberpunk game i just wanted to be like you know and if it's the one near feud and if it turns off some people and then i was like that's okay because like you know um I, I wanted it to kind of be its own. It's in it, it, I want it to be kind of like a, uh, the fish in its own pond rather than like just one fish in the massive ocean. Yeah. Um, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's hand painted in Photoshop. It's, I was going, I mean, I was, trying, I was kind of going for like a surrealistic, you know, uh, like, you know, surreal, magical realism or impressionistic sort of style. So you can actually like see some of the, the paint strokes. Um, I'm trying to make Neofu 2 even better. I mean, I will say that art was one of the last of the skill set, you know, of like programming, music, writing. Uh, I, I did music the longest and then writing and programming. I have a degree in programming. But art was one of the, you know, what, one things. of the things that I picked up last. So um, I tried to make it more consistent throughout. And part of it is just like there are very different scenes. And I wanted, I wanted the very wealthy areas to look extremely like pristine, neon green. I mean, you know, green grass golden palaces, everything polished, everything new. And then some areas wanted to look, you know, the poor areas I wanted to look like, you know, a mismatched, you know, kind of just cobbled together patchwork of, you know, broken junk and rusty junk. And just, you know, the way that, the way that, the way that poverty isn't nice, it kind of has warts and it's not always pretty to look at. Like I wanted that, I wanted that to be a part of the game to kind of show the stark differences. Um, Of course, I'm trying to make it less, I, I, I see my, I realize if you look at it, if you just look at it, it could be like, this is kind of, you could just be, this is kind of inconsistent. So I'm trying to get the second game to, um, it's a hard thing to say, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it, I want to show the, the stratification of the society, but I don't want people to like misinterpret that as the artist is inconsistent, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but that's kind of the art. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That definitely does look, uh, look unique and definitely high definition, at least from the, the screenshots that I can see. And so, so you made the, the whole game yourself, including the audio you mentioned as well. You worked on that yourself the longest. Yeah, right. audio. Yeah, yeah so, I worked. So that includes ahead. so that includes the, the music as well. Did you do that yourself? Um, yeah. So the music I basically did. Um, well, the music I in the in the initially I and this is okay. This is one thing for any developers. Uh, uh, if you are going to. <laughs> Uh, make a game with other people. First of all, like try to get other people on your team who are at least as serious as you, if not more serious. Right. That's, that could be a big problem if people drop out. If you got half of the art done, it took a year, and then they disappear. It's gonna be tough to be stuck with art assets that's in one style. Anyway, so I did work with someone else initially on the music, and but my problem was uh, I didn't uh, give as good direction as I could have. Um, mm-hmm. and I said, I just need music and this is the scenes and I should have given, I should have given better direction. And, um, I kind of later discovered, this is just kind of my process as a, 
it's a very organic it's very like i you know i work on programming and art at the same time and the art inspires the programming and the programming inspires the music and the music inspires the writing it, it just it's it's a very organic uh process for neofeud in particular and i asked someone else to do the music and it was it um like he did good music but it wasn't exactly what i needed for the scenes in neofeud uh uh, it was very, it's, it's very much like a industrial. It was like a Nine Inch Nails CD. Uh, kind of, it all kind of sounded very like industrial electronic. But I needed kind of like there are scenes where there's like you're you're in the giant palace at Versailles, floating above the above a uh, sprawl. Like it's a very Ridley Scott epic looking scenes and different types of scenes. And I needed kind of like more grandeur, like like I don't know, some kind of like orchestral or more Blade Runner sound Blade Runner soundtrack sort of stuff so i i kind of went back unfortunately and i redid these i did use some of his uh, i did use like two tracks but i made like basically 46 tracks and did the whole music myself um with the exception of those two tracks um and so anyway yeah so the music i basically composed i used like ableton ableton live i basically did it on my computer uh i do play guitar and i play some keyboard um and I, music is the thing i've been doing the longest so and i actually i was actually I did take a lot of film composition courses in college. So um, that's something music is actually the, the, the thing I have to have the most experience in. So I ended up doing the entire soundtrack for new feud. I also did the, the sound effects. I did the sound effects and the voice acting was the one area that I really needed help. So for the voice acting, I had, um, I did two of the main characters and like one or two little voices here and there, especially the robots. It's easy. Fun fact. Fun fact for robots, it's really easy to have one person make one person sound like they're ten different people by throwing some effects on it. So, so that <laughs> it, it can help where with it helps with like kind of masking the fact that you don't have a ton of voice actors. Uh, and um, anyway, so I did I did the two main characters. I did about fifty percent of the total lines of dialogue. There's seventy six thousand words. It's a long game, which is why if you I'm sorry to my German fans, but I haven't translated it yet. They're really asking for it, but I haven't been able to because it's a very long game. Anyway, so that's I'm kind of tangent going on tangents now. But fifty um, percent of the dialogue I did of the two main characters, Carl Carbon and the the, the one gangster robot dude, and then the rest of it I, I had to kind of audition people, and I basically I, I, I hired on you know or I, I contracted out voice acting for about half of the characters, uh, most of the other main characters other than. Other the other big characters and all the side characters I kind of contracted out. I got some really that was one of the it was a very fun part because it's very much like you get to kind of be Ridley Scott, you know. You kind of right, yeah. direct, you know, you get to direct Rooker Hauer. I have a character who's very similar to Roy Batty, you know, and he's like, you know, you know, all these memories will be lost in time. And like, okay, wait, slower, more intensity, and then they, you know, I could kind of like do that. That was very fun. Um, the voice acting part was very fun. So. That, yeah, that's no, a part. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, go, go ahead. I noticed that uh, Dave Gilbert mentioned that his favorite part is doing the, the voice acting. So, um, yeah, but yeah. but it that sounds sounds good. Yeah. So so yeah. So you mentioned it's it's a long it's a long game. How, how long did uh, did people say that they took them more or less? Um, or is it does it depend again on the person on how experienced an adventure game player you are, or if you check the whole story, um, um, or more or <laughs> oh yeah uh so yeah it's it's about like i mean i estimate it to be about like when i played it through and i i did everything in the game 
It mm-hmm. took about like if you know, of course you could like you could read faster than the uh, although dialogue is voiced, um, mm. you know, and so you know if you if you like played it all the way through and you know you you kind of like did everything that you could do, it would take about I mean I estimated 15 hours if you did literally everything. Um, if you just played it through, some people the kind of average was around between like eight to ten. If you were kind of like just you know wanted to get through right. quick. Six. The fastest I've ever seen was somebody got through it in like four hours, but they basically skipped all the dialogue. Right. So, yeah. So, that- <laughs> so you know, if you don't like listen to, I mean, and a lot of if you, it is, I mean, it's again, it's a game that deals with kind of like more, you know, uh, you know, it has something to say, and so a lot of that is said through a lot of character interactions. It's a lot of social commentary. So, so if you skipped all of that, then you could probably get through it. I mean, you could technically get through it faster, but I would estimate between like eight and ten for like a playthrough. And if you really did, like, you came back and you kind of wanted to look at everything and experience everything mm-hmm. around 15 hours. That's, that's like, I, I timed okay. it myself and it was yeah. about 15. That, so that's, like, a, that's a good length. That's, uh, uh, you know, between 10, 15 hours. It's a pretty, you know, so you're getting value for money, uh, you know, at yeah. least that. And so then you're you're making a, a sequel. You mentioned uh, New Feud uh, 2 then, uh, right? Is there anything you can... Say about that, or would that be kind of spoiling uh, new the first new feud? Um, <clears throat> no, like new feud two is um, what can I say about new feud two? It is a <laughs> game. Yeah, I try I try not to spoil too much. Uh, yeah, right. But it's what's that? Yeah, no, it's, it can be difficult, you know, from other you know interview developers, you know, trying to like walk a tightrope. So yeah, but. yeah. Um, but I can you know, I, I can I can talk a little bit about it. Like new okay. feud two. I mean, you might have seen some of the screenshots and little videos. I don't know if you... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah so I, did, I, I thought I think it was a flying car that you had uh, on Twitter, which looked nice. Yeah, yeah. So, New Feud yeah. 2, I'm trying to... Um, well, one thing I'm definitely trying to do, again, is I'm I, I, I trying to... And, you know, I, I think other artists... I think Ben Chandler, who works with Dave Gilbert, has said this, and I agree. It can be difficult when you make a game because if it takes a year or two years to make a game you're often a better artist at the end of two years than you were at the beginning of the first year. Right. right. So, so it can be difficult to kind of like, you know, the, the art, the, the art that you made at the start of the game often doesn't look as good as the art that you made at the end. And so that, that was definitely the case in Near Future. So I tried to make it more consistent, but for Near Future 2, I'm definitely trying to make it more, um, trying to make it, well, how would you say this? Like, uh, like there's something to the style of Near Future that it, it isn't as like, super polished as some games and that's part of the personality of new feud i'm trying to take the best things of it but also make it a little bit you know more you know more in the same way that the the gameplay i wanted to make more accessible i want the art to be a little more accessible in new feud too while not sacrificing the the uniqueness of it and so um I, but it, it is again may be made in our adventure game studio um it is being um created by myself uh it is i'm, I'm doing everything on it as of this moment, um, I'm looking at possibly, well, when it gets to voice acting, I'm definitely going to be, uh, as people keep asking me, can I voice act in the too? Can I voice act? I want to audition. I actually had a guy who worked with Harrison Ford uh, message me on Twitter and be like, you know, he's like, I work with Harrison Ford and I love Blade Runner. Like, he, he, I think he was in like one of the Batman, the Batman cartoons, uh, which Harrison Ford apparently worked in. And he was like, I want to act in this game. I want to act in this, I want to voice act in this game. And I was like, um, I need to finish the script first. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to know what you're going to say before you start saying it. And I don't want to like, right. I, that, that, that kind of has to be done at the end because you can't have like, you know, you don't want to, again, you don't have the case where, um, you know, you contract out and it's like, you know, 50, you know, you got half of the lines done 
and you and, and then you give the guy half of the lines and then you know he does those lines for you and it's or you know or or or, or girl and you know she does the lines and it, and then you're like okay well I finished the other half a month later and you're like well I'm off in another job I don't have time for that you know you want to be stuck so I again I I am going to be I am going to be doing voice acting. I'm going to I'm going to be having people come in and voice act and possibly do music as well. I'm not sure yet. Um I don't have a lot of money. I'm basically kind of broken mm. like a you know I'm like again, I'm duct taping my bumper on. I live in a, <laughs> we actually live in a house that's literally collapsing. The porch like actually collapsed. Uh, unfortunately, I had to fix it with trees that I cut down in the forest uh, cuz I don't have money to buy wood. Anyway, so well, uh, that is as I said it's an adventure game that you're living. <laughs> yeah, I live in it I live in an adventure game. That's how I got good at making them. So yeah. that, Use wood from trees that you cut. So in order to fix the wall, you cut down a tree and use that wood with duct tape. So. Exactly, you know. Sharpen <laughs> nail from clothes hanger, pound nail into porch. Exactly. <laughs> what? It's, it's not quite that, but it's close to it. Um, it's uh, it is a lot of it is a lot of uh, uh, creative solutions. Anyway, so um, uh, if I had more money, like if, like mm. if, if if for some reason. I get that. I get that problem of not knowing what to spend my millions of dollars on. Then I will spend. <laughs> I do kind of have a plan. I will spend it on paying uh, some more people to help me with first the uh, probably the music. Um, I, I mean, Mifute is a kind of game that I can't really be done. It's uh, there's that episode of Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Have you heard of that one? Yes, I saw it. Yes. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's something they say. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, action games can be done in a team. Okay, like you know, over Overwatch and Fortnite, but for like kind of like concept, you know, uh, idea games kind of have to be done by one person. There's a kind of sublime madness or something. So it's kind of like for something I have to kind of really hand. I do kind of have to like have my hands deep in near feet. Uh, so, but there are other games that I'm working on that I would like. I would like to expand and do like larger games uh, uh, with with teams with larger teams if possible. But for now, near feed two is currently just being. Uh, worked on by myself. Um, what else can I say about it? Okay, I will say this. Mifid 2 does have some people ask, are the characters coming back? Where is it set? When is it set? Is it a sequel or a prequel or what is it? And I can't say too much about that. The world of Mifid, if you played the first one, you know it's a very, um, it's a very, like, how would you say this? Like, the world is, it's like, you know, like Doctor Who or Star Trek. It's kind of like, mm. it's set in, it's not really set in any time. Because there is time travel. That's a spoiler. Not, not that's not that's not a spoiler. Okay. There is time travel in near future. There is like uh, reality is kind of timey wimey reality reality. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So it's not really set. But I will say this: near future two is set in more of a interstellar civilization. Let's put it that way. So it okay. it it it, uh, it isn't necessarily set on Earth. For all of the game, let's put it that way. That, okay. I don't know if that, Intriguing. That's kind of a yeah. I'm trying not to spoil it, but look, there will be return right. characters. There will be return characters. There will be uh, there will be characters who uh, it is gonna be um, there will be it will be similar feel like satire. There is gonna be uh, robots, obviously, in the flying cars. Obviously, you see that in the screenshots, and um, but it is gonna be set in the world of Neofeud. Um, I can't say when exactly where exactly what planet or reality it's set in, but it's going to be, it's going to deal with material and there will be, if you play the first one, you don't have to play the first one, but it will have um, reference to and material and return characters. There you go. <laughs> okay. No, that sounds very good. And then have you, 
uh, to, you know, maybe look at uh, f- feedback from the first game and try to apply that in the second game? Because I know it can be tough that it can be, you know, sometimes it, where we gamers, you know, what I say sometimes we don't know what we want, that it can be contradictory. Like Dave Gilbert mentioned that I think in Blackwell Legacy he had a notepad and then people said it didn't like it, so it didn't happen in the second game. But then people were like, where's the notepad? We really want the notepad. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I just wanted to know, like, when you're making a sequel, um, how do you go about maybe taking some of the feedback uh, and then trying to apply it to the second game? Or do you just do your own thing? Like say, no, this, these are my instincts. This is what I want. Um, you know, do you have a balance with that as well? Um, yeah. So when I do get feedback, um, yeah, I, I, I try to, you know, note what people have said. I mean, obviously with things like, with uh, what example I've already brought up was that one action sequence. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of, classic adventure game players who were like, um, you know, some people, I mean, there obviously there's a lot of eye-hand coordination and time and, you know, kind of dexterity, like, you know, Mario, platformers, you know, space shooters, shoot, right. I mean, uh, third-person shooter, a first-person shooter. These are all games that involve, involve a lot of eye-hand coordination. Point-and-click adventure games are traditionally more about the thinking and not necessarily about eye-hand coordination and dexterity and time. And so some people kind of, uh, I, I def- there was more than one person who said, I prefer it to be less difficult in in the sense of eye-hand coordination. And so I did go back and kind of took that feedback and fixed that. Right, and yeah. I'm thinking, it, but there are other people who are like, you know, people who come from, like I said, I'm kind of like a, I, I'm kind of an immigrant to the, not an immigrant, but I kind of like, I wasn't, my, my native gaming scenes were kind of more on the action side. So there are people who are like coming to it and like, they kind of liked some of the more action-y scenes from, uh, the first kind of test demo version of Neo 2 they kind of like that and they wanted more of that. And um, so I'm trying to, trying to definitely trying to take that feedback and strike a balance between trying to have it. Um, you know, you, of course, you can never again, you can never please anyone like David Gibbert said. And it's mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have to kind of you have to kind of you know just take your stand and that's what you're going to do. But I am trying to I am trying to um, balance between those and the feedback generally. Like I said, yeah, one of them was on the art and like. People didn't read the issue the way that I thought it would be read always, so I'm trying to take feedback on that. I'm trying to take feedback uh, and, and work feedback into the issue too, uh, on you know, in, in, in every dimension. So um, I'm definitely, but I, but yeah, it's kind of like again, like I'm like uh, I'm not gonna make, you know, the issue too, you know. Some people were like, actually, one weird criticism was like, it's not cyberpunk because. It doesn't have all polished neon and like anime girls and spandex or something weird like that. And I was like, <laughs> is that really what Cyberpunk is now? It's just like, you know, Tokyo skyline with a pink candy, uh, cotton candy pink and fuchsia filter on it. I mean, I don't think that's not really, you know, I think of Blade Runner, I think of Neuromancer, I think of the like classic, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, the right, literary yeah. Cyberpunk. I met my wife from the William Gibson board, like we're big book nerds, you know, like. I think of like the content of it more than the look, but I'm also taking that into consideration that, you know, people see, you know, Blade Runner 2049, Altered Carbon, um, you know, Ghost in the Shell is now, you know, it's Cyberpunk 2077 is the biggest game and his name has Cyberpunk in it. So that's going to affect mm. the perceptions of when I say Neo 2 is a Cyberpunk adventure game, I'm trying to deal with that kind of baggage of like, you know, kind of like, you know, it's like trying to deal with like, what you're saying the game is and trying to make sure you give the right impression. That's a difficult thing. I know like uh Laplight City creator at Grundasaw Games said something like he called it a steampunk ish game yeah. because because he didn't want to give the impression that this is like exactly like steampunk. Because it, <coughs> it, it isn't. So that's 
that's another thing that I'm trying to also deal with. I, DFT was my first commercial game, so trying to like negotiate that is difficult sometimes because you know uh, it's difficult the first time because you don't really know where all the audience is. And now, but now that I have all the feedback, I can kind of work that in. Yeah. So yeah. I don't okay. Know. So, no, no, that sounds very good. Uh, you know, the rest of the look. I'm looking forward to it. I, I just, you know, bought the game and the reviewer for Adventure Games podcast, Thomas, he played New Feud and really enjoyed it. So, um, oh, so, <laughs> and uh, and do you have a, a, a tentative release date for New Feud two? Uh, or, or less. Uh, yeah. I don't actually have a release date. I am. I think I mentioned this a couple times. I am aiming for um, a release of Near Feud 2 in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I can't guarantee that it will come out in 2019 just because, uh, you know, for mm-hmm. one thing, as I mentioned, like I, I did say I am working on Near Feud 2 uh, full-time. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that in your in your Discord. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, and so for now, I am trying to, like, again, if I can work, if I'm able to work on Near Feud 2 full-time, uh, I may be able to get it out in 2019. I can't guarantee that. But if I do have to, like, you know, I mean, and I'm basically working off of the revenue from Silver Spoon Games, primarily that's the Near Feud, two, Near Feud 1 sales. So I'm using the Near Feud 1 sales, you know, to pay for the duct tape to fix my car <laughs> and to pay, to pay for the wood, to pay for the nails to for the wood for the porch, you know, and, and to pay, you know, pay for electric. And I do have electric and internet and, you know, food and such. So that money is from the if you'd one is paying for the bill. So thanks everyone who picked it up. Thank you for picking it up also, uh, Sharsha. Uh, no no worries. I'm glad, glad I could help. And I would thank you as well for making the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what uh, I say to developers that you, uh, you know, I've, I've come to realize just how hard it is to make an adventure game and the hours and hours and, you know, weeks and years of sacrifice that you guys make. So thank you guys for, you know, making it. Because also I imagine if you, uh, many people, they don't make adventure games to be rich. That if you want to be rich, you'd make, try and make different types of games but people will make adventure games because you guys are passionate about it so about yeah, the genre def- so yeah yeah it's definitely like a, it's definitely a genre yeah it's yeah there are other genres and other areas that you could work in if you wanted to make a lot more money um and it's um yeah at the same like it is like for for me it is like i said when i released new feud i was like okay i'm gonna release it maybe it doesn't make it maybe it makes ten dollars on steam and that's it but it's like either way, it's kind of like, you know, I was working in a job. I mean, I did like aspects of the, the jobs that I was doing, but it was just becoming too difficult. And I was like, I need to make a game now. If I don't make a game now, I have a degree in programming and I've worked on games and I've made lots of like mods and smaller non-commercial games uh, where I've worked in larger companies. I, I need to make like the game that I've always wanted to make and do it. Otherwise, I'm going to be like a 50 year old, like high frequency trading Goldman Sachs programmer and i'm gonna be all like depressed and like why didn't i just quit this stupid job and do that adventure game thing or try right <laughs> so or like you know at least why didn't i at least try to make one so exactly that was if you, yeah i was like you know i mean like you know i don't know how much you know like you know wall street training is gonna help the planet um you know i'm gonna make a lot more money but i don't know if that's gonna you know i don't know if like being make in that happy <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if it's gonna make people happy or you know make me even happy so mm. you know I, I i did have an option to actually do some bank-related programming at one point. And I didn't do that. Thankfully, I did social work instead. So that's a pro tip. Uh, you know, you make less money. But I, I will say this. Even when I was, even when I didn't even have a house and we were living in a van, I was all, I, I feel like I was still inside happier because I felt like I was actually doing something of value to for those kids. Uh, so right, if you have a choice, yeah. 
I'm going to work for some huge bank or like, I don't know, sell real estate in downtown London or Vancouver. That's going to be 80% unoccupied multi-million dollar condos or Dublin. Don't do that. Be a social worker or a teacher or do something useful. Be a nurse or something. Don't, don't do that. Anyway, lost. That's a, that's a, no, that's good advice to, to, to help. So we, so far we've had marry a Canadian and do something that will help, that will help people. <laughs> yeah, you know if it's if it's between yeah because you know you're not gonna get you know anyway yeah so, when yeah. you're 50 years old you're not gonna look back and go man uh you know I I I, I you know I really regret having like you know helped hundreds of kids out of poverty but you know you might be no, like, you look back and go hmm I don't know if I'm so happy about making millions of dollars and creating all these homeless people and impoverishing third world countries you know so anyway so that's like it's uh anyway so that's like <laughs> philosophical but but the but the thing is uh with with uh with near feed i wanted to do it right i'm just i'm gonna do this and then even if i do like just keep working and doing day jobs and you know jobs that i might not be as uh rich in at least i'll i won't be like regretting not having done the adventure game thing and so but thankfully near feed has done well enough that i can continue to work on 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 games um like i know people i know one of my friends uh, made it it's not an adventure game but it's uh, spin artality is another cyberpunk strategy game he made $90,000 in one day or like in one week. Oh, um, sounds like a lot. Yeah. So and he also had a Kickstarter that made like $13,000. So so he's been able – so it is possible if you are thinking about mm. becoming an indie game developer, even a one person, even in adventure games, uh, 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 there, there, it is possible. I, I, I talked to the Red Strings Club creator, which is – it's it's kind of a narrative experience game, but it's another cyberpunk game. I talked to them on my podcast. And um, they're working under Digital Devolver, but you know they have three people, and they are they are they are they are um, making a salary, and they just work on games full time. So it is possible. That's a small team, so only three people making you know uh, pixel art style, you know classic more, more like retro games. It is possible to do it. It's not a guarantee. It is a very it is a very hot industry. It's very saturated, obviously, but. Um, there are a lot of opportunities as well. I have a Patreon. Um, I might do a Kickstarter for Nifi 2 at some point. I, I'm not sure yet. Um, uh, like if I will say this, if you, you know, if you need to make $8,000 a month to pay for your flat and your healthcare and everything in a big city, like I, I don't live in a very expensive area because I couldn't afford to live in the city I was in before. As I said, $2,000 rent, that would already mm, price me that's, out. That's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. So unless, I'm, I'm, you know, now if you have billions of dollars sitting around in your back pocket because you're like the daughter of, you know, Warren Buffett, then, you know, you can do whatever you want. But <laughs> if not, you know, you know, like, um, you know, I, I don't want to tell, I don't want to give people like, like, I'm not your life coach, but uh, definitely like if you can, like, you know, we've, we've taken, we've taken, it was a big leap. We're in a new place. We live next to an active volcano. That's different. Um, and it's, uh, but it, it is, uh, it has enabled me to continue to work, you know, lowering the total bills, even with, even with like, you know, I'm making, I'm definitely making less money, although not a lot less than what I was making as a teacher. Teachers and social workers are like terribly, terribly underpaid, but it's a little bit less, but we can, we can at least live where we are. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, with, with, you know, with, with, with comfort, I can actually spend time with, I have two kids. I can actually spend time with my kids. I actually spend more time with my kids. Now I could spend like, you know, half the day, you know, we, we garden and stuff because, you know, we're not, I'm not, I'm not working two jobs. I was working two jobs on in a city to afford the crazy rents there. So, so that was a big, that was a big change. So anyway, so, but if you are thinking about it, like, you know, if you have, it is a passion that I have, but it is, I also treat it as a business and it's good, you know, it's good to treat it like, you know, it's a passion, but you should treat it like 
a, 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 a business endeavor because it is work. And like, you know, if you do release it, like my, my opinion is I want, you know, if you have a product, like if it's just like a make a game in a week sort of thing, that's like one thing. But if it's like an actual game that is has quality and content, like I recommend like do charge more. For, if you're releasing your game on Steam, don't charge like $2 for it because you're like, oh, I don't, there's so many games. I don't know. Like, mm. you know, if you feel like your game is worth $15, ask people for $15. And I'm telling you like, there's a, it sends a signal that like, you know, I'm serious about this. Hey, this, you see something and it's like, wow, that's just, I wonder why it's worth $15. I wonder why they thought it was worth $15. And, you know, like, I like I feel like I put three years of work in this. Like, you know, it's worth, it's not, maybe it's not $60, but if you right, charge yeah. more, paradoxically, you, you can actually get more, um, you know, you can end up making more back because if you, you put a $2 or $4 price tag on it, you know, it's like people think, oh, well, this is just like some little fun thing. It's not really worth my time. And there, like, it's the, I, I was, this is more getting into developer advice. You know, there are literally a thousand games that come out every single day, right? People, uh, and some people, you know, they don't necessarily, the problem isn't necessary. I mean, for some people it is money, but indie games are not that expensive, right? But what people don't have is time, right? Mm -hmm. People don't have all the time to play every single like $4 game that came out, right? But if they think, hey, this game is like something that, you know, is doing something unique. This is doing something. This is like an experience that is worth a few hours of my very little time when I'm not Uber driving and dog walking and do my six other jobs, right? Yeah, I have two hours of free time. I want to spend it in a quality experience. So, so kind of like putting more effort in and setting a higher price tag and just taking it a little bit more seriously um, uh, uh, can pay off in that way. Because I know people who are like, I made my game really cheap and then like nobody bought it and I have like three Steam reviews after a year and it's like you know. Um, I mean, there's not like a guarantee. Like, if you make your game more expensive, it's not going to guarantee sales. And you know, if you if you you could put years in and and it won't pay off as much. But um, but I will say that like you know, like it treated as work. You know, I treat it as work. I treat it as a business. Like I treat it as it's a passion, but also a business. So but you have to you have to make money. <laughs> yeah, I have to make money. It's like you know, I work hard. You know, and it's work. And then like you know, I deserve to live. You know, it's like I mean, yes, I. You know, it's like. I worked at least eight hours a day for three years on this thing. And it is like people, I mean, people who have bought it, they said, I really enjoyed that. It was really worth my money. So, you know, you should expect to, you know, it's like, you know, you, people deserve to have, uh, uh, this is part of the message of me of you, right? Whatever you do, people deserve dignity and to live like not in a car, right? And to eat exactly. food and feed their children, no matter what they're doing, if they're, you know, you know, especially if they're working, if they're working, they should you know, be able to make money. And if that if that work is in games, it's like if people are getting a, 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 a some value out of that game, uh, ex, you know, expect dignity, expect people to pay you for that work. Because the other way is like, well, everything is just kind of for fun. And that, you know, it's kind of like, what was his name? Harlan Ellison kind of said that, you know, it's like if, every, if all of the, you know, every all the amateurs just kind of go, well, I don't know. I'm just going to give this away for free. That kind of dilutes the market for people like you know for for people like him who are like i rely on the money that i make from 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 my creative work to survive and that you know it, ha it can have a it can have a negative effect on the wider culture if if more people just not not, not to say it's bad to, to to do things for for your passion but right um, yeah yeah you know what i'm saying right, yeah, right? To, to charge for it that you you know you're working very hard on this game and you deserve at least to be able to pay, you know, for your you know, food and a house and for your family and that as well. So, yeah. um, so I mean, treat like like a business as well as a passion. Now that's I think that makes perfect sense. That 
if you're putting all these hours, you know, all these sacrifices into it, you should get some reward. So. Yeah, like maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe you live in like, I don't know, a very nice social democracy, maybe somewhere in Scandinavia where you can, you know, have health care and have a house mm. kind of without, you know, but in America, it's thirty thousand dollars for my family's health care, you know, right. we were, yeah, you know, it's, it's, and it's crazy. Like another forty thousand for the house, you know, so, you know, like it's like. Especially where I was, that's why we live in a volcano, or right next to a volcano. So, like, so you know, like, uh, anyway, that's that's a kind of a that's a lot. That's like that's addressing what Nafeud is, is is addressing, which is like kind of the insane inequalities. But um, yeah, so anyway, so take it take it seriously, have passion, but like you know, give it a shot. You know, like I would say this, I do not regret a single day, even when I was working like you know, I'm working at like you know 12 a.m. at night. Don't overwork yourself. Don't don't hurt yourself. Mm. You know, think of your mental health and your physical health. You know, like no game is worth like literally killing yourself. Um, but and but you know, it's like I never regret any time that I spent making Neofu. Like it was always, it was always, you know, it was always a joy to make it. It was always like I'm doing something that is like using my talents and skills that I have acquired over time. I can't always say that for every corporate, I mean, larger corporate game that I made. Like you know. Like, I don't know that the suicide jacks knife going on the left and the right side, I don't know how that's going to affect the world. Like, I don't know how, like, you know, some random FIFA soccer clone number 3000 is going to change the world. You know, some random app. I don't know what that's going to do. I don't feel super proud of having made some of that stuff. But I do feel, I mean, I do, I don't regret any of the social work. I don't regret making YouTube. So, um that sounds anyway, great. Yeah, no, that might sound like some kind of group. <laughs> no, that that sounds great. I think uh, you know that's you know as, as you mentioned that you that you feel probably more for more fulfilled than working for this giant corporate. I I kind of feel you know to say myself you know I was um, you know I've I've worked for big companies you know before but then I I was thinking again you know I don't want to work. I'm mean, not against big companies. I don't want to or people working for big companies. I have friends who work for them still. Uh, but personally, I didn't want to make rich companies richer or rich CEOs richer. So now you know, through this podcast, I'm not making any money from this, at least not yet, but I feel better, you know, at least trying to help you guys and trying to, uh, you know, this is, you know, my passion as well. And then other work in life, I want to work more closely with people and help them kind of like what you said, being a teacher and a social worker. And um, so it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, and then one thing, uh, uh, I mean, could be other things we could talk about, you know, living on a volcano. It's, it's, it it hasn't erupted, right? It's not, it hasn't gone through <laughs> your ass. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit. Of, we talked a little bit about this yeah. off, off, off this off the podcast, but um, it, I do live within um within up within like less than six miles of the active volcano on the Big Island of Hawaii. Big Island, you might have seen this in the news. Uh, uh-huh. It did erupt. There was a um, there was a lot of sensationalism and kind of like you know just kind of you know the news is trying to get more clicky, clickbaity, and mm-hmm. sensational yellow journalism sort of stuff about it. But the I mean the volcano didn't it did the eruption didn't kill anyone. This is not a it is not a Mount St Helens Krakatoa <laughs> like explodes and then like this you know hydro you know uh, pyroclastic flow comes out a hundred miles down the mountain and exterminates the village. It's not like that, but. It does erupt. It does. The lava moves. It moves like about one mile per hour, slightly. You know, it's slower than you can walk away from it to get away from it. But it is, you know, 3000 degrees. It does come out in like a 40 foot, 40 foot high wall of solid rock. So if you have land, it doesn't endanger your life. 
but it will endanger your house. If you build it anywhere near it, there is no way to stop that lava. I mean, they can't build a build a ditch or a canyon or a wall. Some people try it and it, it just bulldozes the wall. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, mm. imagine 40 feet of solid molten rock coming against anything. It will just, it will demolish literally anything. It's kind of, it tames your billionaire hubris, right? That's why we don't have any $40 million hotels here is because that's why I moved here is because it makes the, it makes the, the price uh, more manageable. And there are actually people, I know somebody who actually lives on like right on a lava flow. It's like a, it's a, it's a shipping container with a window and doors and a toilet put in. The toilet goes right down when he, when he takes it, when he uses the bathroom, his, 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 his number two goes right down into the lava and it, the lava burns it up. That's his, that, that's his sewage system. Um, and then when the, when the, when the volcano does it up and it comes for him, he has his friend who has a flatbed truck drop the container onto his flatbed truck and drive it over to the next patch of lava flow. So that's how he gets around that. What? So there's a lot of weird stuff out here and interesting lifestyles. I mean, um, you could make an adventure game, you know, on that, you know, set in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is actually, I do have a scene from YouTube too that is inspired by living. I've only lived on the Big Island for about two years now. So this is, I'm from the island that doesn't have the volcanoes, but more of the city. It's, right. like the, it's like Manhattan in the tropics, basically. That's the island I'm from, uh, Honolulu. Uh, uh, and uh, so this is new. But I have like I, I I like painting like when I do the painting I do go to the I like going to the lava flow it's really trippy to look at it almost looks like flow the the, the cooled lava is like this pitch black like moonscape uh you know it's kind of like it's like everything black like I think that's why really Scott went to Iceland to film a lot of Prometheus is is mm. he got that it's that movie it's like it's a very primordial landscape like everything and it looks oh, yeah, really it looks interesting beautiful. yeah it looks as beautiful, an artist yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, so, so, you know, it looks almost like, I kind of joke, it looks like folded laundry with a kind of like, you know, where the, the lava's float in these kind of like patterns. It, it looks like folded goth laundry. My wife, my wife is a goth girl. So that's, um, <laughs> it okay. looks like her laundry. Um, anyways, so that's, I don't, what was I talking about? Uh, painting. So I am going to, I'm going to like use the, vo- like the island that I'm on, the island that I am on and the volcano and its eruptions and also some of its, um, I, I, there's a scene that I specifically went to the beach and painted with a, the, you know, you can see the, the spewing red clouds of like, you know, it's just like uh, sulfur and burning fire shooting into the air. But it's also like, it's like a, it's like a pristine tropical, you know, it looks like a Corona commercial, like a, like a Waikiki commercial right next to it. It's pretty trippy. Uh, so I, I did cool. paint that scene and that's going to show up in YouTube too. So. Okay, look look forward to it. And then very quickly before we finish, I I see that you've written short stories uh, in, in in book form for New Few then as well. That's um, so you that, is is that available for you know for ebooks then as well? Uh yeah. So I okay. So New Feud is the point and click adventure <laughs> game. I do have also the New Feud short story collection that is um it's a short stories. It's a series of short stories set in the world of New Feud. And mm-hmm. so there are characters, like I, we talked a little bit about the the the, the robot kind of, uh, the robot, uh, you know, slumdog billionaire. Um, and the there's a, the upper level um, neo-feudal royalty, the kind of princess character. So there's, there's stories that kind of like flesh out. And these are stories that I had written <laughs> while making New Feud that flesh out these characters, they explore their lives and the world of Neofeud to a greater extent. And it's a, it's like, it's like three or four, I think it's like, I think it's just three short stories 
Uh, yeah, one of them is, I'll just, it's a sentient machine. One of millions of defective prototypes mass produced by tech giants winds up in a machine prison due to substrate profiling. Uh, the robot, uh, he's uh, beaten, abused, and finally teams up with robot convicts to jailbreak from the supermax facility. So it's kind of like a, these are kind of like, you know, they're like little, not novellas, but they're like short stories about right. the characters from New Feud. So if you were really, if you like the world of New Feud, uh, or if you just, you know, you want to taste, it's cheaper than the game, then, uh, and you like, you're more into like reading, then the New Feud Short Stories collection uh, deals with the world of New Feud uh, and is available on itch. It's uh, it's on itch.io. Itch I believe there might be on Amazon as well, but I put it on, uh, itch.io is, uh, is a game, itch.io is a game site. Uh, smaller than Steam, but it's uh, it's no DRM. Uh, mm. And I also sell the, the book there. And I believe you can okay. get it on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Well, th thanks for that. And okay. So then before we finish, um, where can people find you? So your your game, your theater, your, uh, your studio has an official website, correct? Uh, yeah. Like uh, the best, the best, I would say like, I should probably go and update the website uh, more mm. often, but you can follow the place where I'm most active is actually I have a, a Twitter. That's where I'm probably most active. I think Dave Gilbert oh. is also most active there as well. Mm -hmm. And so I have a Twitter is uh, at Silver Spook Games. That's Silver minus the E because my name is too long. Um, <laughs> uh, at Silver Spook Games and also at Silver Spook Guy, which is kind of more Silver Spook Guy is more on my personal account. And um, but you know you can just Google Silver Spook Games. Also, there's a Facebook. There's um, a uh, bunch of other sites, but I'm probably most active on Twitter. I also, you can email at silverspookgames at Gmail um, to learn more about the games. Uh, and there's a, obviously if you want to get me a few, there's a Steam page and there is, it's also on, it, it's on Steam and it's also on itch.io. I don't currently have a Neofeud 2 Steam page yet because I'm not, um, I probably should make one, um, but uh, I, I'll, I'll be getting to that. Actually, I want to, I want to, there's some things I want to update. I'm, I, I'm thinking of adding Steam trading cards for the new okay. game. Uh, I, I don't know if you have any opinion on that. Or do you have used those at all? Uh, I haven't actually used them before, so I, I have no opinion, I'm afraid. But, oh, okay. That's one uh, thing I was going to be working on is Steam trading cards. Okay. And, and then a you 2 site. But generally, if you want the latest news, I also have a Discord. There's a Silver Spook, uh, Silver Spook World is a Discord. Um, and uh, probably the most active though, I, like the latest stuff that I'm doing, I often post screenshots of what I'm working on to the Silver Spook Games uh, 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 Twitter. So that's probably the most most active place if you want the most up to date information. Yeah. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, just a, a plug my my own thing. We also uh, the Adventure Games Podcast also has a Discord with some other developers and uh, gamers as well, where developers such as yourself and others uh, just kind of sometimes chat about games and chat about uh, yourselves as well, give each other advice, and which is also really nice as well. And sometimes uh, you guys share your adventure game, so you can find out, um, you know, about the games as well. So I include the links well to to your social media and of course to the Adventure Games podcast as well in the show notes. So uh, right, well we've spoken about a, a lot. It's uh, really been great speaking to you. So then I'll leave it then to you to to take us out. So is there anything you'd like to say? Before we finish the conversation, I think it's like to say to, to the fans or other developers or anything at all. Um, yeah, I've said a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've given a lot of advice, like, you know, mm -hmm. just to recap, marry Canadian, number one. Number two, uh -huh. <laughs> become, a, become a social worker, do something useful. And number three, sign Maybe up so for 
<laughs> yeah, join the Adventure Games podcast. I am on the Adventure Games podcast Discord server. He didn't pay me to say this. He's not, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it is a. Uh, it, it is a. Uh, I just saw my friend Six Chicken Studios, uh, Nathan Hamley, who is coming out with. Uh, well, here's, here's my plug. Nathan Guard Duty. I just saw is coming out soon. So free. Mm-hmm. Advertisement for him. I, I actually interviewed him on my podcast as well, and I do really like that game. So he just joined the Adventure Game podcast uh, server. Uh, I did do uh, – yeah, I haven't been there like long, a long time, but mm-hmm. it does seem like a really cool place. I do uh, – I haven't listened to all your podcasts yet, but I will definitely – I looked at the list, and there's it, a lot of my favorite uh, creators are on the Adventure Games podcast. So I highly recommend yeah. anybody check that out. I am going to check it out more. Um and um yeah uh yeah so thanks a lot for everything you're doing i know you're not you said you're not making any money yet uh you know if you do you know start you know start that patreon or whatever and you know i'll yeah, no, you maybe, that. thank you very much that i i did not pay him to say that so i'll send you the money <laughs> by, by by mail so it's uh volcano <laughs> active volcano and i said yeah. <laughs> in hawaii so um no no, uh, well, thank you very much, Chris. It's been a real pleasure uh, speaking to you, and I look forward to playing your game as well. I look forward to hearing more about Neofew 2 and what you do in the future. And I, I really wish you the very best of luck because I think you know you definitely deserve to have success in your life. So, uh, thank you uh, very much. Yeah, no, thank, thank you very much for having me on, uh, Sersha. Yeah, Sersha. Yeah, it's yeah, Sersha. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. And yeah, it's like uh, it's been great to be on. I really like the. The concept was really great to talk about uh, uh, Neofeud, and I, you know, I look forward to um, coming back on maybe later on when I'm closer to release, possibly, right? right definitely, I'd love to. <laughs> definitely, well, I'd love to, Neofeud too. Yeah. Definitely, I'd love to talk talk to you again. So, thank you very much, then, Chris. So that was my interview with Chris Miller of Silver Spook Games. I hope you enjoyed it, and in particular is. Great advice if you want to become a full-time adventure game developer, marry a Canadian. (laughs) So thank you, Chris, for taking the time to speak with me. I really, really enjoyed the chat, and I hope to speak to him again soon. And why not check out his game, Neofeud, as well. Thomas, the co-host of the Adventure Games podcast and reviewer, he has played this game, and he really enjoyed it. And it has gotten some very good reviews as well. And it was named in the top 25 cyberpunk games. So it has some great company as well. So that is it for this week. Next week, I will hopefully be back with Thomas Bex when we will be reviewing the latest games that we've been playing. And I will also look to do something about my trip to Nariscope. I will look to try and do an audio diary type thing and upload those as part of bonus episodes of my time there, hopefully with some interviews and thoughts on the games that I saw there. So check, look out for that. So that's it for this week then, and I'll speak to everyone soon. Bye! If you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. 
now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at advent game pod you can follow me on facebook at adventure games podcast you can also follow me on instagram at adventure games podcast as well and we're also on discord at adventure games podcast so if you our venture game developer or venture game player you can follow us there so again please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you